We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. And for day and for night on the earth, he's separated the waters. He's allowed vegetation to sprout from the ground. He's put creatures to crawl on the ground and birds to fly in the sky and sea creatures to swim in the waters. And then the first two humans ever to walk on this earth made in his own image to reflect what he's like. And not only they walked on this earth, but the creator himself came down and walked with them. And I want you to imagine what was peace like at the very beginning of all things. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to have you keep your eyes closed for too long because I don't want you guys falling asleep on me. But for another moment, I want you just to start thinking through, how can I experience just a glimpse of that peace today? What does peace look like in your life right now over the next month during the holidays? Our scripture this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, as well as Psalm 122. And the prophet Isaiah, centuries ago, wrote this. The vision that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it and many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us about his way so that we may walk in his paths. For instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up the sword against nation and they will never again train for war. The psalmist, most likely King David, in reflection of what we just heard, he wrote this. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city should be, solidly united, where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. This is an ordinance for Israel. There, thrones for judgment are placed, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the well-being. The original word there is shalom, peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. Because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will pursue your prosperity. This is God's word. God, we ask that you would fill us with your peace this morning, that this space right here, this room would be a place of peace, but that God, it would not be confined to these walls, that as we go out, we would be your people of peace, taking it into our communities and into our relationships 
into our cities, into our households, into our workplaces, that when people experience us, your people, they would experience the peace of God because you are at work through us. We ask that you would do that work in us here and now, that you would fill us with your peace and transform us to be carriers of peace. In the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, to the glory of the Father, we pray. Amen. So we are in Advent season. I know, I know it's uh, Christmas time, right? And there's lots of stuff going on. There's Christmas movies coming out on Hulu and Netflix like crazy. There's Christmas parties happening. There's new flavors at coffee shops for different holiday drinks, right? There's all kinds of Christmassy things going on. And you either love it or you hate it, right? Uh, maybe some of you are super excited. This is your favorite time of year. Maybe for others, this time of year is just filled with chaos, uh, maybe you just had Thanksgiving and you're like, that wasn't a very peaceful time sitting at the table with my extended family and then I'm gonna have to do it again <laughs> in just a month, right? Uh, maybe it's a time of the year where you think about who's not sitting at the table anymore. Maybe it's a time of year where you're just thinking about the bills that you have to pay. Maybe it's not a very peaceful season at all. But we enter into not the, the commercialized and commodified holiday season of Christmas where we have to spend a lot of money, we as the people of God filled with his peace are striving to enter into a season of Advent. And what that word means is that we are awaiting the arrival. We are awaiting the coming of something. So when uh, people first figured out how to make a wheel, right? It was the advent of the wheel, it was like this thing that revolutionized and changed how society would function. Fire, right? When cavemen, or I don't know whoever it was, invented fire. The advent of fire changed everything. Uh, the printing press. Like most of the people in this room have no idea what that is. <laughs> but the advent of the printing press, when they first realized that they could take ink and stamp it onto paper and do it in mass production. So now they can get news out to the whole world. That changed everything. And for us, we're talking about the advent of our awaiting, our longing, our crying out for the coming of a king who would make all things right throughout all the earth. Someone who can actually rule and reign in a good way that brings prosperity and peace and unity and harmony throughout the entire world. Is that even possible? Could there be a king like that? That's what we believe the world has been waiting for. And we also believe that that king has come at some point in history and his arrival, his advent has changed everything. But not only that, that he will come again one day too. And so in Advent, traditionally the church for centuries has used four themes to kind of explore what it looks like to reorient our lives, to kind of refocus our sight, to retune our hearts toward the awaiting of the arrival of this king. And those four things, as we said, were peace, hope, joy, and love. Now, those are words we all use in, in our world today still, right? These are words that are very common to us. But I think maybe we need to redefine what those words actually mean, especially in terms of the biblical story. Because a lot of times we use those words in different ways, right? And so here's what we say. We have a definition for each of these words. 
I'm not gonna spend too much time on all of them because we're gonna focus on the first one, peace, this morning. But a real quick overview of all four. We say that peace is not simply quiet, calm, or inner tranquility. But it is all things working together as they should for the flourishing of the whole world. We'll talk more about that. We say that hope is not just wishful thinking. I hope this is gonna happen, but I really don't know, right? But hope for us is a confident assurance in what God will do because of what we have seen God has already done. Joy is not just fleeting happiness, right? That like you just, you feel happy in a moment, but then it's gone. It's not fleeting happiness, but it's a constant source of satisfaction that is based in the eternal outcome, not your temporary circumstance. And we say that love is not a dopamine high, right? The warm fuzzies, the butterflies in your stomach. It's not just this dopamine high chemical thing going on inside when you see someone you like. But love is the continual keeping of covenant commitment. That's a lot of C's right there. But what that means is deep promise that you continue with. It's intentional, it's communal, it's sacrificial, and it's actionable. These are the things that we believe the advent of, the coming of our Lord Jesus, the King over all the world, actually brings. And that one day, fully and finally, we will experience that with none of the brokenness mixed in, with none of the sadness, with none of the pain, with none of the hurt, with none of the heartache, with none of the death. But we also believe that even here and now, while all those things are mingled in to our experience in this world, that we can, and in fact do, still experience a foretaste, a preview, a glimpse of peace, hope, joy, and love because of Jesus. And so I wanna focus on that first one this morning, that peace, it's not just simply quiet and calm or inner tranquility. Like if, when I asked that question earlier to just imagine, what would it be like to experience the peace that was there at the beginning of all things before things went wrong in this world? What would it look like to experience that here and now? And I, and I just wonder, and you don't have to raise your hand or say, yes, it's me. But I wonder if some of us in here thought about uh, what does peace look like for me now? It means being away from this person, like a certain person in your life, right? Or what does peace look like right now? It, it looks like maybe that relationship being made whole. What, is, what does peace look like right now? Maybe it looks like, maybe you pictured yourself like on a beach somewhere in July and like nobody else around you. And you're just by yourself. You got, you know, a nice drink and you're sitting there listening to the sound of the waves, right? I, I wonder if those were things that came into our mind. We got to get away uh, this past week and stay at an amazing Airbnb called Mullet on the River. Such a cool name uh, because, you know, it's kind of like, okay, it's cool up front, but in the back is where it's at. So it's a mole on the river. It's got a river running through the back. So I, 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 if you want a connection there, I know how you can stay there. Um, let me know. But it's a fantastic place. And it was in Whispering Pines just outside of Payson. And there was this deck with a beautiful river running through the back. It was amazing, you guys. And we got to get away. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, a big reason why we do that is to avoid the drama of extended family of the holidays. It was to escape the chaos and to go find peace, right? 
That's typically what we do, isn't it? Typically, how we try to find peace for ourselves is we move away from the things that don't feel like they're bringing us very much peace. Maybe, maybe you're like, no, that's not me. I don't connect with that. Maybe instead you're the person who says, no, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna make peace, dang it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says. And we're gonna make peace. We're gonna sit down, we're gonna talk this out. We're gonna fight this out until we resolve it, right? Uh, maybe, maybe that's kind of more speaking to you. Like we're gonna, we're gonna get there. And you do everything you can. And then you still find this person doesn't really want peace with me. Or this situation, it's not gonna get resolved, right? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And Paul also wrote, and as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Do you know why he says, as much as it depends on you? Because he knows there's a limit to what you can do in making peace. It doesn't all depend on you. He, he knows there's other people and other circumstances involved in that situation that are maybe halting peace, that are maybe destroying peace, that are threatening it. There's only so much you can do. And when you're working so hard to make it happen and it doesn't happen, do you have peace inside? And so a lot of times that's our retreat is we go, well, as long as I have inner peace, right? As long as I have that inner tranquility. And there could be a storm going on around me, but if I can be calm and here and centered, that's peace, right? That's maybe a... You have a conversation with a Buddhist friend. That may sound familiar. But the peace that Jesus wants to bring, the peace that we just read about from the prophet Isaiah, from the psalmist King David centuries ago, the peace that was promised to us that would come and enter into this world is not just an inner tranquility in the midst of chaos going on around you. Listen, that's a good thing. I hope that we can all experience that when there's chaos going on around us because there's going to be chaos. But the peace that we actually are longing for and awaiting and hoping to come in fullness one day is a restorative peace that actually makes all these things going on around us come together and work just as they should. That's why I asked you at the beginning to reflect on creation because when God made all things, he said over and over again, this is good, this is good, this is good. And it wasn't until the humans stepped in and thought, well, we could, we could figure this out on our own. We could maybe make this better and take it into our own hands that it was no longer good. And what happened in their relationship is there was now division amongst one another. They went and hid from one another. They blamed one another. Was there peace in their relationship? What happened with the very ground they were supposed to cultivate and care for and tend to and see it multiply throughout the earth is now they were working through thorns and thistles, the story tells us. From the sweat of your brow, you will eat from what this land produces. Was there peace between mankind and the world? When God shows up, they run and they hide from him. This God who would come down and walk and talk with them and teach them about his creation and show them the best way to live. They ran and hid from him. Was there peace between humanity and God? No. 
Now, all those things we, we experience still today, don't we? Doesn't that sound familiar? In, in our lives right now, whether you believe in a God or not, do you feel a peace between you and a creator? Maybe some of us do. But if we're all honest, I think there's times where all of us don't. Do you always have a unity and harmony between the relationships with the people around you? Doesn't it just seem like sometimes things don't work the way they're supposed to work? I'm gonna tell you, that's when I get the most angry because this is supposed to work, right? And it doesn't work. If I'm building something, I'm trying to put it together and it's just not fitting the way it should fit. That's when I get the most irritated, the most angry, and I start taking it out on my family. And there's no peace between me and these things I'm supposed to make with my hands, which were created to do things with our hands, right? And now, because of my anger, there's no peace within me and now no peace with my family. Isn't that just the way life is? And so how do you get peace this season? Do you go run and hide away? Do you fight to make it happen? I remember sweeping the carpet at my mom's house as a child. We'd go to my mom's for the weekend and it was, uh, well, we stayed in a lot of different places, but it was usually one bedroom or two bedrooms for seven people, sometimes more because we would have our cousins and family stay with us. And she didn't own a vacuum cleaner and the house was always pretty dirty. And when I got there, I just, I couldn't sit down. I had this anxiousness inside of me, this restlessness. And there's no vacuum cleaner. So I'd grab a broom and I would start sweeping the carpet to try to make it a little cleaner and to make a nice little orderly clean space that I could sit in. Now I'd go to my dad's and it was clean, most of the time spotless because we were doing chores like crazy. Uh, and it was, it was nice home and I had my own room. But it was a little chaotic there too, mostly between the relationships between people. And I didn't feel at rest there either. So what I did there is I went to my room because I had a room and I would shut the door and I would hide away. These are the two responses we could have. We can go and, and escape from the world's problems to try to find inner peace for ourselves alone. Or we can try to fight and make it happen. But I just want to reread something that we heard the prophet Isaiah write about, that God spoke to him as this vision, a vision for what peace would look like. It says this in verse four of Isaiah two, that God will settle disputes among the nations. Who's gonna settle them? The United Nations, our politicians, you or I. The Lord will settle disputes among the nations. He will provide arbitration for many peoples. That means he steps in and he brings justice. Peace is connected to justice. Now here's what the people will do. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning hooks. What does that mean? It means they have no more use for their weapons because peace has come. So their work now is to say, how do we create tools that will actually bring the flourishing of creation? How, how do we create tools that will actually partner with the work God has done here 
and to step into the thing God has called us to be. At the very beginning of creation, do you remember we said that they not only had God come walk and talk with them, but he was explaining what their role was, how to best represent him and how to care for the world, that they actually had work to do. And that was part of the perfect peace at the beginning of all things. And that work was be fruitful and multiply, tend to the garden and display the character of God. Isaiah is calling us back to that. That one day when God himself makes peace, God's people will be part of cultivating the world. Will be part of uh, not just living in harmony with one another, but creating tools to actually care for the created earth that God made and entrusted us with. Now, that almost sounds impossible, doesn't it? Because it is. In our efforts. Running away and hiding and trying to find your own inner peace does no good for the rest of the world. But fighting for it in your own strength and in your own power will get you nowhere except exhausted and irritated and angry and no peace, right? Here's the thing. Peace is not the absence of problem. It's the presence of a person. The peace that is promised to us is, Isaiah 9 says this, we saw it in the video, the Prince of Peace will come. He will be named the Prince of Peace. Now that word prince, by the way, it's not in the way we think, or like, oh, there's a king and then there's a prince who's like under the king and just kind of waiting his turn to be. It's actually, that word prince often used in Old Testament just means ruler, Right, And we're told through Isaiah that Jesus will have the government resting on his shoulders. What does that mean? Not that he's going to be our president or like the best politician. It means he is going to rule and reign over all things. He is king over heaven and earth. Jesus said to his followers as he went to go be with the father, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the ruler of peace, of shalom, of wholeness, of completeness, of restoration. You see, we don't have to run and hide to find peace and we don't have to fight to try to earn it for ourselves or to make it happen for other people. We go to the person, the only person who could bring peace. Peace is the person of Jesus. And as we go to him and as we submit our cares to him, our anxieties, our struggles, our broken relationships, our fighting, and we lay that before him and we say, I don't know what to do with this, but I know that you are the ruler of peace. You can rule my life better. Would you take over here? That's when you start to experience a small taste, a glimpse of the full peace and shalom that will one day come. And it's going to come. Jesus will return. He's preparing a place right now. And when he returns, his people of peace will experience the fullness of peace forever. You don't have to fight for it. And you don't have to run away from uh, what is threatening it. You go to the one who is in control of all things. That's how you experience peace this season. That's how you experience peace in your life. That's how you also show and display and share peace with the world around you. Uh, we often pray that our home would be a place of peace, but our, our, you know, this place where we gather would be a place of peace and our business would be a place of peace. 
And we've had people share they feel that when they go into that place. They feel just kind of peace, at peace when they're there. Listen, that's not because we're cool. She's pretty cool. I'm not. It's, it's not because we figured it out. It's not because we fought for it. And it's not because we, we fight to push out anything that would get in the way of it, right? We live in a culture that's very much about canceling anything that we deem toxic so that we could find peace for ourselves. But, but our goal is actually to welcome in and embrace all people and to find a way where they could exist in unity and harmony together. The reason peace is felt in those places is because the presence of the spirit of our King Jesus, the Prince of Peace is there. And sometimes we get in the way and we mess it up. Sometimes our own lack of peace gets in the way as humans, doesn't it? But we continually go back to him and say, forgive me for trying to take control. You are the ruler. You have authority. You are the Prince of Peace. Do what you will. Now listen, when Jesus was born, this Prince of Peace who was offered to us, he entered into, once again, that God stepped down on this earth he created and walked and talked with humans like at the beginning. This time in the form of a man himself. But he stepped into the brokenness and the lack of peace, the anxiety and the pain and the hurt that humanity felt. He experienced what it was like living in a world that didn't work the way it should. He experienced relationships that gave up on him, that left him when he had given everything to them. He experienced people who hated him for trying to bring good news. And he experienced the torture of murder and death. And he knew it was coming. And when he did, do you know, he, he was sweating drops of blood out of anxiousness. Jesus fully entered into the absence of peace so that he could overcome it and bring back peace to this world so that he could restore peace to those who would trust it and follow him and go, you are the ruler, I give it to you. Because after he entered into the grave through that death, he rose again. He conquered. The God who created life once again created life where there was death. And he rose out of the grave and he brings peace now to those who would trust in him. That we too, even, even in the presence of pain and sorrow and even death, that we can actually pass through that safely just as he did and rise to the fullness of peace on the other side. That's the invitation we're offered now. We talked about sometimes people enter into the season and it's not very peaceful. And then you go like to a church service and you hear someone stand up front and talk to you about how you should have peace, right? And you you just feel more shame and guilt because you don't. I'm not trying to get you to fight for peace. It's not up to you. What I want to offer to us is an invitation. An invitation to the one who experienced the lack of peace, the brokenness of this world, so that we could experience the fullness of his peace. And that's our Jesus. So we're going to go to the table, uh, actually outside in a moment after we sing here. And this is different than we do on most weeks, right? But every fourth Sunday, we have a family meal together. And listen, what Jesus did is he welcomed all people to his table. 
people who uh, were religious leaders and people who were outcasts because of their sin and rebellion. He welcomed all of them to the table. He sat down with all of them and he shared meals with them. And what he shared on his last meal with his friends, including the person there who would betray him in a moment, is he shared a meal with them and he said that one day we will drink from this cup again together. And the end of the story tells us that there will be another feast at a table, a banquet table. While we are living in the eternal, peaceful presence of Jesus, we will feast with him. It'll be a party, you guys. And so as a small foretaste, as a small glimpse, a preview forward, every four Sunday, we, sometimes it's in here, we're gonna try it out here today. We, we go out and we just share a meal and we eat and that's how we do it instead of the little torn pieces of bread and juice at that table. We have a meal and we're gonna party. Let that be a glimpse, a preview, a reminder, an encouragement of the fullness of peace to come for us. And that has only been secured through Jesus going to death on the cross and rising again, becoming our peace.